0: You are listening to the Faith Church Podcast. Learn more about our church at faithinchandler.com.
1: Hey, podcasters, I wanted to give you a special introduction to today's message. Yesterday at Faith Church, we wrapped up our series on Break the Silence by tackling the issue of depression, and we had a guest speaker, James Bullock, with us. James was a pastor in Richmond when he was brutally attacked by two men, beat him, stabbed him, uh, he was diagnosed with PTSD, he was in, in, institutionalized, um, ended up having electroshock therapy, just just went through just an incredible ordeal over a number of years. And I was familiar with him, was praying for him, and like, keeping track of, of what God was doing in his life and bringing him through this. And so over the last couple of years, as he has just made this incredible recovery from his depression, anxiety, and PTSD, no longer having panic attacks, able to to minister again and preach again, I wanted him to come and be our guest. And so that's who the message uh, is from today, uh, from Pastor James Bullock, uh, who uh, God has brought out of depression and had a great uh, story, personal story uh, to speak from of how God had saved him Uh, from his battle with depression
0: well first of all we want to say thank you for inviting us brother daniel miss nicole it's good to be with y'all and your church family and uh, this reminds me that i'm so glad to be in indiana this is my second time to be here and uh, uh, we, we just enjoyed drive coming up here uh, this outlay of the land reminds us so much of Louisiana, where we come from, all the farmland all around us and everything. And it's just beautiful, and we, we just love it. We love farmers, and we love people who live on farms and uh, who produce plenty of us for us to eat, you know. Uh, without the farmers, we wouldn't any of us be eating. So I'm really praying for the farmers. Uh, but uh, it's so good to be here today. I, I just want to tell you, Uh, that the Lord has been good to me. I uh, was saved when I was 10 years old and uh, uh, just fell in love with the Lord, fell in love with the church, fell in love with uh, the Bible. And uh, God called me to preach when I was 13 years old. And uh, I started preaching and that's when I met my Wife. We were just children, and uh, we didn't have a piano player, so the church told me to go fi- visit this little girl out uh, in the country. So I got me a girlfriend and a piano player, too, <laughs> at the same time. And so we will be married this uh, coming June the 12th for 49 years. And God has been good. Yes, Amen. And we started a radio program at fourteen. lasted for twelve years. I would preach and sing on the radio and then go pastor the church and preach at the church and uh, So we had a wonderful life we We were in the service of the Lord. We dedicated ourselves to the ministry. I mean, we just poured ourselves into it. We were really happy and enjoying life and uh, all of a sudden, one day when we were at uh, our church in Richmond. Uh, Two guys broke in the church, or was already in the church when I got there, and uh, busted into my uh, study and beat me and stabbed me. And, uh, I mean, I was unrecognizable. I had to have back surgery after that. I had a heart attack from all this stress and all of that things. But then, just a few weeks after that, I developed PTSD Depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and it seemed to just all be uh, consistently all the time. Uh, Every day I would have just terrible times. I got so bad... I couldn't be around people, I couldn't wear ties, I couldn't wear suits, I couldn't I couldn't stand for anybody to get near me and hug me and put their hands on me, you know, and a, a coat felt just so bounding and uh, because they held me down and beat me and kicked me and my back was just all messed up uh, and for a while I had to sit down to preach. The last I went on and kept pastoring for 5 more years after that. It got worse and worse and worse. But uh, then we moved to, uh, had to retire, and we moved to Nashville or in Joelton. And uh, I went to doctors there, hospitals. I was in psychiatric hospitals six to seven weeks at a time. And the last medication they gave me, they said, now, if this does not work, there's nothing else we can do. Uh, you'll have to live in an asylum. And uh, But uh, my daughter, praise the Lord for good ch- Christian children, amen. amen. My daughter told me, said, Daddy, and see, I couldn't read the Bible. It had been about two or three years since I'd been able to read the Bible. Couldn't, couldn't hear, couldn't. I was in such a deep depression that uh, I couldn't talk. I couldn't hear anything going on around me, conversations in the very room. Uh, It was just such, I was in such a dark, dark state. It was like a a zombie walking around, really. That's what uh, I was. And I became uh, just uh, unrecognizable. I didn't even look like myself. I mean, my countenance had changed so much, uh, people didn't really recognize (laughs) me as the old James. And uh, uh, I, I... My daughter asked us to start a Bible study in our home, and it was a Beth Moore Bible study, men, believe it or not, that turned me back on and turned the lights back on for me, and uh, there, uh, the very first night that she opened the Word of God, she began to read to me the Word of God. Uh, I just began to see a little light coming back each, each and every day that we studied the Word. My I got so bad that I couldn't even pray anymore, hardly. All I could say is, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. That's, that was the extent of my prayer life. My wife would lay hands on me every night. She would pray for me. And she would pray that God would touch me and bring me back. To what I used to be. Brother, and he answered her prayer. I want you to know that. I I tell you, I praise him today because I feel like I've been born again. I feel like I'm walking on clouds, and, uh, you know, he, he healed me of it. He healed me of PTSD, depression, anxiety, you know, and uh, all of that at one time. He just, it just like it never happened. My doctors, when I walked back in, they didn't even know who I was. They couldn't believe I was the same person. Even today, two and a half years later, they're still shaking their heads. So you're a miracle. You're a miracle worker. You see, I believe in a God that is a miracle-working God. There is nothing impossible with God. And, uh, you know, so I just have to praise Him a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I want you to turn with me uh, to probably the most depressing psalm in the Bible. It's the saddest thing you ever seen. But, you see, the Bible doesn't edit out all the bad experience of Christianity. I believe that the Bible says, no scripture is given by any private interpretation, but holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So I believe that God led this man, Heman, to write this psalm. By his inspiration. And he allowed him to put it into words, his feeling. And if you look with me in Psalm 88. Psalm 88. We're going to see about Heman. Now Heman, uh, very many Christians don't even remember his name or even remember uh, seeing his name in the Bible. But he is mentioned several times throughout the Bible, just in little brief, little... uh, Cameo appearances. Uh, Not a whole lot we know about him. We do know he had 17 children. We do know that uh, he was a magician and a singer. He was chosen by David to lead the children of Israel as the lead worship leader to the children of Israel. And he, uh, I think, really devoted his life. And some people suggest maybe this is what part of his problem was uh, being a temperamental musician or artist, you know. Uh, but uh, that might not be fair for everybody, but it was the case with Heman, he was a magician, he was a singer, but he was also a very, very intelligent man. Uh, in one of the Old Testament books, I read uh, preparing for this message that he was so wise that even Solomon, he, he came up behind, you know, the Bible says that there's never been a man smarter than uh, Solomon and will never be like him, but Heman was a very intelligent man. And he said Solomon's, uh, or the Bible says that Solomon's uh, uh, wisdom was far above Heman's. So he, he had some kind of reputation of being a great man of wisdom. But uh, here, if you look through the Bible, just the one that our brother read to us uh, in opening service this morning, uh, here we are praising the Lord, singing the Lord. And a lot of the Psalms uh, Psalms are about songs and hymns and praise, you know. But right here in the middle of it all is stuck this deep valley... This depressing story, the saddest thing you ever seen A man that had given his whole life to singing, praising. He was at the bottom of the barrel. He was down as low as he could get. And this didn't happen just one time with him. This was a way of life with him. He had suffered many, many years. But there is just one or two little brief uh, spots of sunray and sunlight uh, coming into the story. In Psalm 88 verse 1 it says, O Lord God of my salvation. That's probably the biggest... A point of light you'll see in this psalm. Beloved, he had enough of himself to understand, to realize, and to accept that God, Jehovah, Yahweh, was the God of his salvation. And I'll tell you, that shows us that he's a man of faith. Amen? He's a man that believes in God. He has experienced God and he wants to uh, acknowledge that God is his salvation. Then it says, I have cried day and night before thee. Verse 1, verse 2, and verse 13 uh, calls out the many times through his life that he has cried out to the Lord. And uh, in verse 2 he says, Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry. For my soul is full of troubles. Uh, in other words, he says, I'm just overwhelmed. And that word overwhelmed really uh, has to do with like the waves of an ocean. Like the tempest of the sea. He said, I'm just overcome with these waves of trouble and turmoil. And he said uh, uh, there in that verse, he said, I'm just full of trouble and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. He really thought that this was going to kill him. Depression was going to take him under. He was about to go under for the third time here in this chapter because he was terribly uh, oppressed by this. Verse 4, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am a man that hath no strength. In other words, beloved, he was totally drained emotionally, physically, spiritually. He had just run out of energy. It had zapped him of his strength. And then verse 5 says, Free among the dead like the slain that are in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hands. He had given up all hope. He thought God had turned his back upon him. Verse 6 and 7 goes real close together. It says, Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. Again, there is the, the um, uh, influence of he was like he was in the depths of the sea. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like the waves were just over you and you were about to go into the very bottom To the very pit. I've been there too. A lot of you are shaking your hands. It says uh, in verse 7, Thy wrath lieth hard upon me. Again he's overwhelmed. And thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. One right after another. Day after day. Hour after hour. The tempest was always raging in his life. Verse 8 and 9, Thou hast put away mine acquaintances far from me, and thou hast made me an uh, abomination unto them. I am shut up and cannot come forth. That word abomination means loathsome. It's kind of like Job. You know when Job went through all of his trials and all the things he went through, he had three men come to visit him, you know, And the Bible said they didn't even recognize him. I mean, there he was sitting in uh, ashes with uh, sackcloth upon him. And there he was broke out with all kind of boils. And uh, he had really come so low. He sat there in mourning for all of his losses and all of the afflictions that he had. And his friends didn't even recognize him. Uh, That's what the doctor said about me. But I want you to know today, no matter where you're at in this chapter, no matter what applies to your life, don't give up. You keep looking to God. You do what he did, pray and acknowledge God for who he is. And, and I want to tell you something. If you know someone who is going through PTSD, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, it's easy to give up on people when they take up too much of our time. When when they need us more than we're willing to give. I want to encourage the church everywhere I go Don't give up on people who are struggling. Don't give up on people who are down and who are suffering. I pray that you would be willing to go another mile. Go another day. You may have to work with people months. years before they're able to cope and and find the tools that they need. I'm not a doctor. I recommend I I had a psychiatrist. I had several psychiatrists. I had, uh, of course, my medical doctor. I had Christian counselors. I was on medication. And and, and I want to encourage you, if you're having problems like this, you seek the help that you need. It's there. I'm here today to give you some spiritual help and let you know that God is still working and and willing to uh, help you and aid you in your struggle. Then in verse 9 it says, Mine eyes mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. I mean, he was really sincere about it. And then, verse uh, 10 through verse 12, he starts these rhetorical questions, you know. And here's a, I found a, just a little glimmer of light in it. He didn't mean for it to be inspirational and, and full of light, but uh, verse 10 through 12 says, Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? In other words, God, what good am I to you, dead? How can I praise you if I'm in the grave, if I die? I've spent my whole life living and singing and praising you and encouraging the choir of Israel to sing. What good am I to you? I won't be able to do that for you if I die. And then verse 11, he says, Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? Uh, Or of uh, thy faithfulness in destruction shall thy wonders be known in darkness and thy righteousness to the land of forgetfulness. Listen at that. He was just acknowledging the attributes of God's, what he was doing right there. I I gain a lot of light and inspiration from that there because as low as he was, as deep in the pit as he was, he still remembered, look at the verse 10, the wonders of God. In verse 11, he said, your loving kindness and your faithfulness. Then in verse 12, he said, your righteousness. All of these are the great attributes of our holy, powerful Almighty God. Amen. And so I find even in his despair, he was able to think about his great God of his salvation, of wonders, of loving kindness, of faithfulness and righteousness. But at the same time, even though he acknowledged this, this man personally knew God, he really believed that God had hid his face from him. In verse 13 and 14, But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in mourning shall I My prayers prevent thee. In other words, I I know that you're hearing me. I, I know that you stop when I call upon your name. But he said, Lord, why cast thou off my soul? And why hidest thou face from me? He really felt God had cut him off. That God was hiding his face from him. And he even goes deeper and shows you that this is a lifetime problem He suffered from depression. Look at verse 15. I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. You can imagine being under this kind of depression, just how distracted he was. But from a young man, a little boy, all growing up, and going in to worship the Lord all through the week, even though he was preparing to lead the choir in the congregation of Israel, all those days, beloved, he was in deep, debilitating depression from his youth up. And then verse 16, 17, and 18. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They come around me daily like waters. You see, here he is in the depths of the ocean again. They come past me about altogether. They've overcome him. But look at verse 18. He says, lover and friend, thou hast put far from me, and my acquaintance is unto darkness. He was his family, possibly his wife, possibly his children. Maybe his closest friends had given up on him, had had enough themselves. They had tried time and time again, and he didn't seem to improve or get better. He said, the only companion I've got is dark. Darkness became his only friend. Brothers and sisters, I've been there. And you, some of you may have been there. When you never, no matter how bright the sun was shining, everything around you was darkness, darkness, darkness. That's the way this psalm ends. But as I told you today, there's a lot to learn from this psalm. We can learn a lot from the 88th Psalm and I want to share that with you. Of uh, uh, this most depressing, saddest psalm there is, there's a lot for us to learn. And I want to share some, about eight things with you for real quick. Uh, and I'm going to just go down. If you take notes, go ahead and do that. Maybe you can uh, uh listen to this later. But real fast, I want you to think about uh when he couldn't do nothing else. Did you notice here all through the chapter? He was praying, he was praying, he was praying. Sometimes, beloved, when that's all you can do, you keep praying. He knew enough of God and the law that he remembered how great his God was and he fixed his mind on that. But I want you to know today when you get to the very bottom of the bucket, I want you to keep praying. Seeking God. Staying in His Word. Because Heman prayed. And I want you to know, he prayed out loud. He prayed audibly. He, and he, That's what he says. I cry out to you. Now a lot of people can pray with their arms folded, you know, and bowing their heads and thinking of a prayer in their mind. I do that all the time, don't you? That's That's okay. But sometimes... We get to a place when we just got to cry out. And you know today, a lot of times when you pray out loud, you can more directly uh, uh, project your feelings. You can just talk to God. I remember going to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and I loved to hear my Grandma and Grandpa pray. They'd take turns each and every night, you know. And grandma and grandpa would pray and talk to Jesus. I was in the other bedroom and I could hear them. Do you know what? They talk like he was right there in the room. Well, he is, isn't he? Yes, he's in the room. You and I can talk out loud to God. We can tell him what's on our minds. Let's don't be afraid. Let's don't be intimidated. Let's reverence God, respect God, fear God. But God wants you to know that you can come before the throne of grace with boldness. You and I can talk to God out loud. And you can believe just like he said. I know that when I pray to you, I prevent you. I stop you. Every time you pray and call on the name of Jesus, beloved, he takes notice. Even though He is orchestrating the universe and keeping the planets in orbit, the stars in their place, beloved, when you call upon God, you prevent God for just a second or two, and He stops and He listens to what you and I are saying. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. I thank the Lord for that. But not only did He pray audibly and out loud, beloved, He also prayed in pen and ink. You see, as I mentioned a while ago, the Holy Spirit allowed him and led him to voice his opinions and and his prayer, and he wrote it down. And here it is. In God's Word, we have what Heman wrote uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And beloved, you and I sometimes, it would be good. A lot of Christians keep prayer journals. They write down their prayers. They make compositions. Sometimes they, they uh, uh, write a poem, you know, uh, in, of their prayers. And, and, you know, sometimes they just say, I'm going to write a letter to God. That's okay to do that. Did you know that? That's what this book is. It's a letter to us from God. It is God's love letter to you. It'd be wonderful if you'd write him back. It'd be wonderful if you told him how much you loved him, how much you cared for him, how much he meant for it to you. Write it down, put it in a journal, make a, uh, a, a wonderful poem out of it. You know, it'd be wonderful to do. But also, uh, it, I really believe that he. This, all the psalms are. Mostly songs. And by the way, the first century Christians, this is what they sung was the book of Psalms. And even in early America, before the first song book was in uh, production, uh, beloved, they sung the Psalms. I really truly believe, and this is what the heading of my Bible says, it says a song or a psalm of Heman. From Heman himself. He put his prayer written down to music and he taught it to the congregation of Israel. Oh, today I pray that somewhere in your darkness you can still hum a tune. You can still put a prayer to music. And fourthly, beloved, he prayed physically. Did you notice there in verse 9, he said, I lift up my hands to you. Oh, God. I mean, he got physical, didn't he? (laughs) It wasn't any of this, you know, just bowing your head and letting some thoughts go through your mind. I'm telling you, he was active. He was physical. You know, people in the Old Testament, they, they raised their hands. They sang to God when the move of God and the word of God was spoken. I'm telling you, not only did they raise their hands, a lot of them just fell flat of their faces, stretched out their arms and prayed and worshipped God. I'll tell you, we need to be more active in prayer. If not an outward expression, beloved, I hope that inside you're just jumping cartwheels. I hope today that you can, are not afraid to express your prayers to God. And you know, the idea of lifting up your hands to the Lord is a symbol of faith. You believe God who is who He said He is, amen? You believe that God is still on the throne. You have faith in God, right? But also as we lift our hands to God, not only is it a symbol of faith, but beloved, it is also uh, telling that we have a need in our life. Has anybody out here got a need in your life today? You're here, you come, you might have a burden, you've been praying about something, and you've been calling out to God. Have you been reaching up to the Lord? Have you been directing your prayers to God? And and beloved, it's saying, God, I have a need. But you know what? Lifting up your hands is also about expectancy. You're expecting by faith that God's going to do what you've asked Him to do. That God, uh, I hope today that you come to church expecting... A blessing. You've prepared yourself before you come. You got ready to come to the house of God because you know God was (laughs) going to meet with us here today. You knew that God was going to speak to us through a song, a prayer, uh, the message, you know. uh, That God was going... You come expecting. And you know when, when they prayed, a lot of times they would pray like this to praise God. And then they would pray like this to receive in expectancy, what God was going to do for them. Oh, today, let's get physical in our prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's get physical in our worship. Let's get physical and and truly uh, express ourselves uh, to the Lord. And then, beloved, he was honest in his prayer life. I mean, at this time in his life, he says, Where is God? Have you ever... Wondered that? Where is God? Didn't he see what's going on? Doesn't he hear? Doesn't he see? Doesn't he have a heart? Does he really care? I'm telling you, he was brutally honest with God. He told God just how he felt. He told God just what his feelings were. He was honest. He was angry. He was questioning here. He, he, he was even saying, why me? All of us have said that, had not we? Lord, why me? I'm a Christian. I'm living for you. I'm serving you. Why have you allowed this to happen to me? And this is what he was saying. He, he, blamed, he said, God, you did this to me. <laughs> you allowed this to happen to me. Why? is this going on in my life? But he prayed spiritually. Sixth thing. Uh, That very first verse it says uh, God, Lord God of my salvation. All through the Psalms you'll hear that. The God who saves. And I don't think it's an incident or a coincidence that The angel Gabriel told Joseph and Mary his name shall be called Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. You see, today he prayed spiritually. And do you know the whole Bible is a book of redemption? A book of salvation. And I hope today that you will pray according to the word of God. Debs and I have a book by Beth more, and it's entitled, Praying the Scriptures, and she has it, you know, laid out in different categories for things to pray for with the scripture. I encourage you to look into that book. And then, uh, seventh, he prayed uh, persistently frequently. Verse 1 tells us day and night. Verse 9 tells us every day. And verse 13 tells us He prayed in the morning. When you can't do anything else, pray, pray, pray. And listen to me. Say, well, Brother James, I've been where I could pray. I have too. All I could get out is Lord sometimes. I couldn't even say help me. i got good news for you when you get like that. In the book of Romans, it tells us that the Spirit of God, the intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit, makes intercessions with us and helps us in our weakness and helps us in our infirmities. And when we can't put words into action, the Holy Spirit of God knows our hearts and He intercedes with us according to the Lord's will. And beloved, today our prayer still reaches heaven when you and I can't do anything but Think or say, Lord, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, with groanings and utterances that cannot be mentioned, takes our prayers and intercedes for us in the throne room of grace before God. So, beloved, pray when you can't do anything else. And then uh, the eighth thing is his prayers, though so sad and dark and depressing, led him or when the Holy Spirit led him to write 88, the same Holy Spirit uh, uh, led to write all of the Psalms before this one and after this one. Look with me in Psalms 89, verse 1. Just listen what it says. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy fullness to all generations. Isn't that beautiful? Here's a man, beloved, that was depressed. And like I told you, the Bible uh, don't leave out the bad moments in people's lives. It didn't just tell us about the good things in our lives going on, but it also tells us about those bad moments in our life. Well, 89 is wrote right after 88 to tell us that We can, even though we're even uh, going through depression, we can still praise God. We can still go on and minister and do what God wants us to do. I, I hope and pray that you and I will look at this as the Holy Spirit does not want us to just stay in chapter 88, He wants us to move on to 89 where we're singing again, praising again, worshiping again, preaching again. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, So when you, you see this today, you know that this man, he really knew what it meant to pray spiritually and to pray fervently and persistently. Luke 18 and 1 says, Men ought always to pray and not faint. I'm going to have to close real quick, but don't faint, don't give up. In 1942, I heard a preacher tell this story. Uh, it was uh, during World War II, and uh, there was a group of uh, arm, Army uh, Air Corps men, it was 50 of them, that volunteered to go on a secret bombing raid, and uh, it was uh, almost suicidal for certain. Uh, and uh, they went ahead and did their bomb raid. And uh, then, uh, as they were going back to home base, they uh, saw that uh, they were running low of fuel. They were over the ocean. They couldn't, didn't want to uh, be eaten up by sharks. So they held on, hoping they could get over land. But the... the uh, uh, there was a headwind blowing against them, and met, used up all of their fuel. But there was one man aboard one of those planes that believed in prayer. He asked the captain, he says, "You mind if I go alone in the back of the plane?" And I pray?" He said, "Yes, we need all the prayers we can get." And he prayed. And guess what? Those headwinds that had pushed them back and pushed them back and used all of their fuel turned automatically into tailwinds and pushed them over land. I'm telling you today, when you pray, all of the headwinds that's pushing against you, All of the trials, all of the things that stop you, all of the things that's using up your fuel (laughs) and draining you, pray. That's your only hope. That's your only lifeline. And when you pray, God can turn those headwinds into tailwinds. And do you know all 50 of the men, they lost the planes but they had to bail out in the dark. It was scary, but all 50 of them lived. <coughs> I'm telling you something. God has a purpose for Heman and his pain, and so does He for you. He has a reason for your struggling in this life. He has a reward, though, if you will be faithful. Unto death. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. You say, well, preacher, what if I don't get your miracle of healing? Can I tell you something? A lot of times, and the best cure for depression is to get your mind off yourself and put your mind on somebody else. When you cannot receive A miracle of your own. When you cannot receive a miracle of your own, be one for someone else. Help somebody else. Get your mind off of yourself. You see, I had listened to the lie of the devil. I had just given up. Don't do that. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Keep praying. And beloved, show people... Just like Heman, all his life, he struggled with depression. But beloved, today, this world needs to see. And I want you to know, God will be glorified if you will be faithful. Let us pray.